thanks to Cryomalt. This is Radio Brews News. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and in this episode, imaginatively titled 148, I'm joined by the man who's about to sell his beer gift enterprise to Hamper World. It's Beer Matt himself, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. How are you? <laughs> Good, mate. I just noticed that uh, online uh, recently, I've seen quite a few posts for your um, for your very good uh, beer and cheese and beer and chocolate hampers. Um, so I figure that uh, automatically means you must be uh, preparing to sell out. <laughs> Not at all, Prof. No, I think, did we talk about this last week? You gave me some free plug on that. I did. Yeah, no, that was the week before. But we might just get, we might get into that uh, in, in, in our news. It might, uh, it might pop up as a, sure, okay. as a bit of a, a piece. A bit, a bit of relevance. Uh, and also from our Sydney studios, it's the man who breaks all the big stories for Australian brews news. It's Konnichiwa to James Atkinson. G'day, James. Oh, I think we can drop the Konnichiwa now. I'm um, back to just g'day, mate, or something along those lines. Uh, mate, you know what? It, the land of the rising sun, once once you've been, it's it's very hard to get rid of it. It's sort of, you know, have you noticed that you've become um, less scrutable? Or is it uh, <laughs> inscrutable? I've certainly noticed that I that I get pissed off at the state of our public transport and the fact that you know whenever I just want a nice cold drink there isn't a convenience um, a convenience store or a um, a vending machine within arm's reach. Um, you know when it rained the other day when I was in Melbourne, I wanted an umbrella but I didn't want to spend twenty bucks on an umbrella. And in Japan, everywhere there are these umbrellas you can just buy for five bucks and they're awesome. Um, so yeah, just all those little things where you just kind of think. Gee, we really don't know how to um, get stuff done. Some stuff we do very similarly, like um, you've got to stuff yourself onto a, a crowded train. You don't actually have people there to help to sort of shoehorn you in. So the, the, there are some things that, you know, same, same, but different. But, yeah, look, I, I totally get what you mean. And uh, I just thought I'd throw the Konnichiwa in, uh, you know, uh, um, if I've offended you. Um, but I just figure it's one of those places that sort of I, I've never been myself, but I, I do understand that uh, that culture really kind of uh, infiltrates your uh, your psyche just a little bit. Yeah, definitely keen to get back there and do it again. Yeah. Speaking of infiltrating your psyche, dear listeners, today we are... Uh, Going to have a look at the following stories making news in your beer world this week. We'll look at uh, Stone and Wood Cups to the Chase. Uh, Dave gets a gong. Craft beer is a serious business. And more importantly, what's in a name? <laughs> or where's that draft coming from? And uh, we'll have a little bit of a wrap-up of what the boys, uh, Matt and James, have been up to in the past week. Uh, let's start off. Stone and Wood. Uh, uh, this is a really interesting piece that popped up on the, the Stone and Wood website this week boys have you had a chance to have a look at it yeah mate i have maybe you can just take the listeners through exactly what it is prof well so we're going we're, what we're trying to what what stone and wood are attempting to do is to in that i guess that overarching philosophy that they have of you know um leave as little footprint i guess in everything that they do uh, obviously trying to be efficient but also trying to care for the uh, the environment and the the world in which they operate um and People who know the guys at Stone and Wood know that very, very much um, a very well-run, canny business. Uh, but it also has that aspect of being part of the community and giving back to the community and, I guess, being seen, uh, actually doing doing good. So with this one, we're, they're, they're looking at a, a cup exchange. So starting off at, is it the Mullen Music Festival, which I'm not familiar with there work but i'm sure it's a good one um and i would imagine they would sell lots and lots and lots of um pacific ale and their other brands the idea is that you can exchange your cup and the cups will be washed and uh research yeah, back into circulation for the next for the next event 
Yeah, no, it, it sounds like a, a great idea, Prof. You, you know, anyone that's been at a beer festival where there are plastic cups just sees just how many plastic cups are disposed of um, and the, the, the wastage. And this seems to be you, you're using plastic event-friendly cups but are not wasted. So when you go up to the bar the first time, you buy your first cup and I think there's an extra surcharge. And if you keep bringing that cup back, every beer then costs you just the, the, the same as it would otherwise. Um, and it just means that at the end of the event, those cups can be taken back to the uh, supplier, washed um, in a you know, sort of um, accepted food standard way, and then reused in an event. Um, and that, that sounds like a great idea, um, cutting down on wastage and also just sort of getting people thinking a little bit about it, which is also the the ongoing message. So um, I have to admit, Prof, that when I saw this media release, I went looking at the website for our own um, events, you know, when we're doing it, see if there was a, a, an option for us to do it, because I think it's a great idea that will really cut down on waste. Well, yeah, you look at the recycling bins, you know, after um, 10 days at the Ecker, and with all the different wineries, uh, you know, the um, uh, Bigfords had a big uh, presence last Ecker, most recently in August with um, Beanley Rum, and obviously it's, it's particularly branded cups, it's very easy to see just how many sort of end up in the recycling bins or, or left lying around at the end of the day. So it, it's a, a great initiative. Um, and the added bonus I notice, and I don't, I, I'm going to assume that it's the same um, assisted group, um, like there's a, a group of disadvantaged or, or differently abled people who, uh, who do the washing work up. on yeah. various projects. Uh, and I know that Stone and Wood actually outsourced for a well, while. No, I, I don't know if they still do it, uh, but the package uh, making up of their of their cartons so they would actually get these guys to they'd pay them to um box up the cartons with the the four six-pack basket holders in them ready to go they would then be delivered just on packaging day so it saves space and all that sort of thing and it allowed the brewers to do what they do best which is not sticky taping cardboard together um so i'm going to guess that it's it's similar if not the same sort of operation uh which again is is, is just great for the local community Absolutely. And I mean, you, you get a lot of um, media releases. We're, we're increasingly seeing um, causes and not beer flavour or beer quality as being the angle that the brewers are marketing. I mean, James, you, you'd, you'd be across this. The number of media releases you get for beers for a cause or beers that are brewed, uh, you know, to, to highlight some social cause. Yet when you turn up to beer festivals, you just sort of see almost a complete opposite philosophy going through. And I'd, this just seems to be another example where, you know, as an observer, Stone and Wood isn't just talking the talk. They're, they're, there's a lot of walking, uh, the, the, the walk going on in the background. Yeah, and looking at the cup that's on their website, it actually looks like it would probably be um, better to drink beer out of too, albeit not so good for making a beer snake with. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beer snake could get a little bit heavy a little bit quickly. Or, yeah. given the fact that it, it looks like it's a, a slightly, you know, uh, sturdier grade of um, of material, you may actually be able to make them bigger, stronger, longer, and and more more uh, stable. Beer serpents. <laughs> there you go. Beer dragoning. Anyway, hey, listen. Speaking of um, the influence that uh, Australian Brews News has, uh, last week we spoke to Dave. Uh, two days later, he wins a gold medal for uh, New South Wales tourism. I'm not, I'm not saying they're necessarily related, but they're probably related. I was going to see if James uh, got a chance to sort of, you know, have his photo. Did, did you get a selfie with the trophy? 
I haven't done that, but I can actually see it right now. Um, it's a pretty attractive-looking bit of, um, I won't say silverware. I think it's actually a very, um, very nice, really <laughs> nice grade of, pl of plastic. Yeah, but um, you know, stoked for the guys, um, and uh, hopefully they can, as Dave said, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. There's no more money in the bank account the next day after a award like that. So you've got to, got to find a way to, um, you know, to to exploit it. No, but I can imagine the marketing value of something like that would be immeasurable is it similar do you think to uh, an up-and-coming brewer you know taking out small brewer uh, of the year award at, at the AIBAs or or similar uh, that you've then kind of a limited opportunity to have the spotlight on you and you can kind of utilize that yeah I, I think so I mean I think it's probably the same as you know winning something like the like the media award as well you know you've got you got to make hay while the sun shines and try and um Try and try and make the the best of that in the year that you are that person. I don't know whether I've really done that this year though. I don't think I've done anything too different to what I normally do. Uh, Matt, did your life change? Because you were you were the inaugural winner, so yours yours is a little bit shinier than the uh, than the one that James and the other guys have got. Um, I'm not really. Yeah, look, it it, it brings a little bit of attention um, to you. Uh, you some additional attention and. You know, when there's a lot of people, um, you know, blogging or writing, it does give you a, uh, you know, a patina or like a halo that says that you are recognised in, in, in some way. Um, but it, I don't know that it's directly contributed to, you know, any new work or anything like that that I know because Bruce News is Bruce News. I think it's just, a, you know, certainly Bruce News having two um, award winners, it's something that we use to market the site, but I, I don't know... Uh, yeah, much more than that. It, it, it's great for promotion and it, it gives you something to hang your hat on um, and uh, something to dust each week. <laughs> and well done to uh, Dave and to all the crew there at Dave's events, tours and events, events and tours. Travel and events. Uh, travel and events. I knew there was, I keep getting the tea. I, keep, I don't know how I get tea tours out of it. Maybe because he started out doing breweries tours. It was great to see um, your beer getting recognised outside of its own little, you know, because you, you have craft beer weeks um, and craft beer weeks seem to harken back to a time when no one was interested in beer. You don't see wine, the wine industry feeling the need to have, you know, Sydney Wine Week because everyone just accepts that wine is a great thing. Um, so it, it's really good that Dave was recognised outside, you know, in a travel um, and tourism event um, outside of a dedicated beer event because it really shows that beer is starting to be recognised in, uh, you know, a, a wider channels, which uh, helps to see beer embedded, um, you know, so we don't have food and wine festivals, we have food and beverage festivals, and uh, beer can be included in that. So, yeah, no, all power to Dave, well done. Yeah, no, exactly. Matt, you found an interesting article in Beer and Brewer magazine, basically involving um, White Labs and Left Hand Brewing Company, who received complaints from um, customers uh, off flavoured beers, exploding bottles, uh, various other quality control issues, uh, which caused them to put a, a voluntary recall um, on the Milk Stout Nitro and several other beers, uh, destroying uh, or removing $2 million of product from the market. Uh, an investigation was then launched into the cause of the contamination. Yeah, look, it was Beer and Brewing, which is an American magazine, not our Australian Beer and Brewer magazine. Sorry, um, did I say Beer and Brewing? I did mean I was reading Beer and Brewing. Yep. 
So sorry if I, um, yep. But that's okay. Confused. And uh, I just thought th- this was interesting. We've we've seen, spent the last four or five years seeing an increasing number of things like uh, trademark disputes where brewers are, you know, that was once, you know, we're all great mates, we're all friends. As the business of beer um, starts to take over, we've seen a lot more butting heads over beer names and, you know, as people seek to protect their patch or, you know, their intellectual property. And I, I thought this was an interesting one because we have seen issues where brewers have um, had to pour beer down the sink because it hasn't reached their standard or there have been recalls. But this is the first time that I recall seeing uh, a brewer suing a major supplier for issues. And, uh, you know, White Labs is one of the you know, sort of smaller yeast banks that has grown up uh, around the craft beer industry. And I just thought it was, quite apart from the, the, the story itself, um, it was a salutary lesson when you look at the sort of dollars that are being bandied about and, you know, if you're selling yeast to a brewery and they use it and they identify that there was a problem in the yeast that sees them pour beer and they have to shut down their brewery and to decontaminate, you know, that's a big um, set of damages that... Yeah, they, they can... the financial impost aside, um, it's pretty hard to measure too the damage that perhaps has been done to your brand by somebody who uh, drank a milk stout nitro as the first nitro stout that they'd ever had and thought, oh, hang on, this thing, you know, I didn't even get to drink it because it was all overflowing or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we are starting to see some, you know, small maltsters spring up, um, and there are a couple of very good small maltsters, but, you know, we're seeing people uh, starting to say, well, you know, I might get in and start supplying craft hops or, you know, uh, a whole range of supplying arrangements, um, canning lines, uh, and and people sort of uh, buying canning lines, putting them in the back of a truck and saying that, you know, here's a way that I can be involved in the craft beer industry. And, uh, you know, all of these things have... um, you know, real potential downfalls. There are risks associated with it. And when you realise that brewing is increasingly a big business, um, whilst we still call it craft beer, yeah, it, it's just something that everyone should bear in mind, that it's not just this little um, mum and dad uh, you know, in a shed sort of business anymore. How big a left hand? Because you'd think that they would have to be of a pretty decent size and that this particular beer would have had to, to have been made in some volume for it to be worthwhile pursuing uh, legal action because with all those supplies that you just mentioned Matt you know the the volume of the products that's being made with uh, you know craft malt or you know one canning run with a you know a mobile canner is very small um, and and you know I, I don't know that you'd really bother taking to some someone to court over it Look, you, you you probably wouldn't, but that's the thing. As people uh, grow bigger, you know, the risks and the downside is uh, is much bigger. Um, and I'm just looking at left hand. Uh, they their output is, according to Wikipedia, the ever reliable source, um, is seventy eight thousand US beer barrels. So that's seventy eight by one hundred and seventeen liters. Seventy eight thousand by one hundred seventeen liters. So they're, they're pretty substantial. Um, that's what seven million liters. Just oh, nice work, Rain Man. Seven or ten. Oh, well, well, you know, anyone on the calculator is going to show just how far I was out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so they're not a small brewery. I mean, that's getting up big uh, bucks. Yeah, I mean that, that's stone and wood size. I'd be I'd be hazarding a guess. And we should point out to it from a, a technical point of view, because um, I, I, the first thing I thought was, well, surely you know you you test your own products before it goes out. But the issue with this was that the yeast um, contained. An el- a, a compound or an element or a, a bug called diastaticus, 
Um, so what's happened is that it's, I get, I'm assuming the beer has kind of gone out okay. The brewery CEO in a statement said, quote, the presence of diastaticus caused the affected left-hand beers to secondarily ferment, resulting in multiple defects. So presumably the bottles went out and then underwent a, a kind of unintended bottle conditioning. Yeah, and look, no no uh, comment on you know who, who's at fault here, but it is just yeah big business, and uh, we, we I think we are going to increasingly see uh, you know th- these sorts of things um, come up as the business ramifications of uh, what goes on um, you know starts to uh, affect breweries. Yeah, yeah. All right, now uh, an interesting story this week that popped up on the interwebs through the forums and not through Australian Brews News uh, Facebook page this time around, um, but questioning the, I guess, the legitimacy of brewers using the term draft, as in D-R-A-U-G-H-T, uh, as a way of, ex- of, of, I guess, describing their beer. What did you assume is meant by the word draft? Remembering that the English language is very elastic and dynamic and, and, and what we used to refer to as something, you know, may now uh, have, a, have taken on a, a very different meaning. Well, that, well, that's the thing. You know, words convey meaning and if you derive meaning from them, then they have served their purpose, irrespective of whether I as the uh, message sender and you as the message receiver, uh, you know, have the same message in mind. Um, but, yeah, well, actually, Prof, when you posted this, I wasn't sure whether the discussion was between, because I missed this discussion online, I wasn't sure whether you were getting down to the D-R-A-U-G-H-T versus D-R-A-F-T uh, or whether it was actually what draft meant. But to me, draft means uh, served from a keg. Yeah, or cask. What about you, or James? Or cask, yeah. It does to me too, but that said, they've—I mean, for as long as I can remember, there've been packaged beers that have been called draft. Was it, you know, Tui's draft, and obviously Carlton draft, and I'm sure Precious there have been draft. others. Cascade I, draft. I, I think everyone's had uh, one, yeah. And I've never really questioned. I've never really sat down and asked the question of why that is. Um, but I suppose it's just that, that you know that's the name that's selling well on tap, and they, they don't want to. Uh, you know, they just don't want to mess with the name when they come to package it. They also seem to refer to that this is the you know equivalent experience to uh, drinking beer on draft. So that was always Carlton Draft's uh, promise is that it's just like drinking the beer on tap. Um, and they had those cans that were designed to look like kegs for some time. Um, although I don't know how you replicate that between bottle and can. So I guess when you're drinking a can of draft... You know straight away that you know there's no false representation of what I've been is. ripped off. This is not a mini keg <laughs> yeah. with a tap and a chilled font and a temperite. Yeah, <laughs> or a glycol and, system. You know, and then I guess it just gets into the world of puffery that you know, sort of saying you know that our marketing says that this is going to be just on. What was the context of the discussion, Prof? I'm seeing, seeing I missed it. Well, that it was that it was uh, perhaps being used by some breweries to uh, appeal to mainstream beer drinkers because I think there's the there's an element of of the of the wording or the uh, etymology or common usage, the you know dynamic nature of of words that draft is kind of code word for uh, I'll have uh, a mainstream uh, offering of some sort. And and you and I know from our time at the Ecker, you'll get a lot of people, um, mate, what sort of beer would you like? Oh, I just, I don't know, just draft. Yep. And we sort of took that to mean, oh, well, okay, so you don't want something in the bottle or a can, but it actually what they're saying is something like, you know, a, a, a sessionable, easy drinking, ask no questions of me kind of beer. Uh, 
and and I know that Bad Shepherd, for example, who have just released their reserve road draft, um, they look, took the meaning as um, a single act of drinking or inhaling, uh, as in she downed she downed the remaining beer in one draft, just using the um, the online dictionary yeah, definition. Yeah. So so to convey this is a sessionable kind of beer. This is a, a, an easy drinking sort of beer. It's not a very it's not a, it's not going to be a challenging beer for you. Um, and I think some online have sort of taken that to be, oh, you know, you, you're kind of uh, in the same way that it's bad for big beer to co-opt craft. Um, small beer shouldn't be co-opting, um, you know, factory beer. It's one of those hard ones. You know, there, there is logic on both sides, but ultimately you, you need to use a bit of common sense to, to filter out what it is, you know. Yeah. I actually think that's quite clever marketing on their part because draft does mean, you know, it's an older way of describing, you know, gulping down or, you know, um, swallowed in one draft or one inhalation. And, you know, I would much rather see somebody describe it in that sense, that they beer in that sense, than, you know, calling it a, um, you know, like a, a smashable beer, for example, because that just has a, you know, words are quite powerful and it does have a different connotation to it. Yeah, and look, it's fair to say too that it would probably have got lost in the uh, in the white noise had it been called yet another session ale. Yep. Don't get Stephen Beaumont started on session ales. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, no. Let's not poke that bear. Um, but speaking to head brewer Derek Hales down at Bad Shepherd yesterday, I mean, the, the beer has only I don't think it's even actually released into the trade um, officially yet. Um, but there's already I think at least over 200 cases sold. So he's he's going to need a bigger brewery coming into summer. That looks like that has absolutely ticked the boxes, and um, and people are looking forward to it. So uh, well done to him. Nice one. Not a million miles away from that, James. Beer and hemp. Yeah, last night, um, East Ninth Brewing, who are the Melbourne-based company that have various products on the market, you know, Lick Pier Ginger Beer, Fog City Cider, um, they've recently launched an alcoholic root beer. Um, they kind of love doing products that are novel. Um, you know, they also had that Dos Blocos uh, lager that was packaged in a brown paper bag. So it was with some scepticism that um, I attended the launch of what was supposed to be Australia's first hemp beer. Um, now, I must qualify that by saying that um, I'm going to stop using superlatives in, um, you know, in articles that I write or uh, social media posts because that just opens yourself up to find someone in a small town who says um, they've already made one, which is exactly what happened this morning when Paul Wyman told me that Rocky Ridge Brewery in WA also has, has a hemp beer on the market. Uh, as of last weekend. So who's who's Rocky Ridge Brewery? I don't think I've even heard of them. Uh, are they up north somewhere in WA? I'm not sure. I mean, they're, they're, I think they only opened this year, so I don't know too much about them either. Um, but, yeah, it's the second time in the space of a week that I've used superlative and then been called out on it because you would have seen online that um, that Laundy Brew Pub that's opening is going to be 2,000 capacity that I said it would be the biggest brew pub in Australia by some margin. Well, there's a brew pub coming that's going to be part of, or just outside the Perth Stadium, it's going to be 2,500 people. So I got hammered for that on Facebook as well. <laughs> um, but all that aside, um, they launched the hemp beer in Sydney last night. Um, I was very sceptical about it just because I've never heard um, people talk about, um, you know, cannabis, the, the flavour properties of cannabis as being a reason why they, why they want to eat it. Um, and, you know, I, I went along anyway and uh, gave it a crack. And actually, the beer's really nice. Like, it's, um, 
it looks like a pale ale, but if you if you had it blindfolded, you would think it was a brown ale. Like it's got a real real nuttiness and creaminess about it, um, and I actually found it quite enjoyable. I found sort of towards the end of the schooner, the schooner there was a little bit of astringency starting to creep through, and and it was it is also quite rich as well. So I don't know if it'd be a beer that I'd want to drink um, a whole a whole lot of, but they've at least done a good job with the beer. Did you find at two o'clock in the morning that you were sort of hankering for twisties and? <laughs> well, if if I had, they um, they sent me home with some uh, branded uh, what what basically looked like repackaged cheesels that were you know munchies. <laughs> so they're really they're really. I mean, East Ninth, you know, they love a headline, they love a bit of hype, they love to be um, you know provocative, um, and so it. So when they've launched this beer, they've really tried to sort of, you know, trade on the whole mystique around cannabis, even though, you know, the hemp that's being used in this beer is is sort of a relative of cannabis. And obviously it's not going to, wouldn't matter how much of it you ate, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, um, wouldn't get you high. Um, so James, how yeah. does it actually, how does it actually manifest itself in the beer? So is it, is it like a, a hop uh, replacement or is it added as a you know like as you would a handful of crystal malt or a you know a, a muslin bag full of you know botanicals they actually um dry hop you know they they add it cold side at the end of the at the end of the you know during <laughs> fermentation um and or after fermentation and um i think that you know they sort of made a base beer that was quite low on on hop um and you know just made sort of like a nice base to drop the the um the hemp powder and it was, it was like ground organic hemp seeds um and sort of season it with that and i think they had a few cracks at it before they got something that they were happy with there you go so presumably something like dos blocos they would be uh using as the as the base recipe i'd imagine yeah well it's called dos blocos hempire hemp ale um oh, okay, will right. you be rushing out to try that one Oh, mate, you know, like I, I don't think I've ever written about these guys because I'd always thought that they were just, you know, completely uh, marketing style over any substance to the beer. Um, but you know, as as our viewers, as anyone as anyone who's drunk Dos Blocos will will attest. Yeah, but you know, then again, what makes that different from a New England IPA? In, in terms of everybody's racing to have the cloudiest, you know, not looking at why the beer was cloudy in the first place but just looking at having the cloudiest, most mango juice looking uh, IPA um, because it's instantly Instagrammable um, and, you know, you, you can't convey flavour um, through social media, so you make it something that's highly visible. And these guys have just isolated a market. They can target. They seem to be doing well. They've been around for, what, four or five years, James? They've, you know, they've certainly... Uh, for, for a bunch of uh, marketing guys, um, they've hung around for longer. Um, it's not a beer that... It... I reckon they may even be, may even be pushing it a decade. Oh, Nine, geez, yeah. okay. So it's not a beer that appeals to me. It's not marketing that appeals to me. But they're obviously very smart at finding you know, audiences that, for whatever reason, whether it's about the beer or about you know, the marketing or the brand or the sort of way it makes them feel or the fact that it's a hemp uh, beer... They're finding a place for it. You know, good luck to them. Um, you know, they're not going to get my money, but they're obviously getting somebody's. So, uh, yeah. That's it. I, look, and I can't help thinking uh, Charlie Bamforth's words um, describing the New England IPAs as, as looking like chicken soup. Um, I, I would love to hear what he would think of, um, of hemp beer. Bong water, perhaps, Bong water. <laughs> comes to mind. 
Speaking of which, Prof, I did see some video come up in my Facebook feed recently of some Rocky Mountain oysters being roasted, um, and it was something that I can't unsee. <laughs> oh, were they still attached to the bull? Or no, 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 no. It was just a tray of, <laughs> of it was a tray of bull nuts, and I'm just sort of going. Rocky some... Mountain oysters for for the listeners who don't know, yeah, uh, rather large bull balls. Well, I suppose it's, you don't really need to say rather large and bull, do you? I, I, so there you go. Uh, what was? Did you have the beer, the hemp beer, James? Um, bottled, kegged. Like, does it, I, I'm just wondering, does it come in like a, you know, a, a cut off exactly. and um, and and sticky tape wrapped, you know, old Coke bottle or something, or is it <laughs> with a hose outside? <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's draft only at this stage, but they're certainly uh, planning on doing a bottled launch at some point in the future. Um, but. I think, yeah, and actually Ben, who was Ben from East Knights, who I'd met for the first time last night and had a good chat with, really nice guy, um, was saying, you know, one of the reasons why they didn't go into packaged uh, straight off the bat was that they, you know, were aware of the fact that just that wholesalers and the like would not really understand the product and would probably be a little bit cautious about, uh, you know, about buying it. And so they just wanted to be, wanted to sort of, get it out on the market and, and be able to show people what it was and tell that story a bit first. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and, uh, and see how it goes. Maybe, um, you know, 2018, now that the, you know, now that the law has passed allowing Australians to consume hemp products, which happened on Sunday, the 12th of November, uh, maybe 2018 is going to be the year of the Gab's hemp beer. There you ah. go. It could be. Gab's dessert hemp beers. <laughs> <laughs> kettle kettle soured. Let's hope, gentlemen, that they're of merchantable quality. <laughs> well, we certainly will be uh, perhaps a little bit more choiceful about what we uh, decide to to drink, given that there are so many Gabs beers to to uh, to try to get your head around. Uh, Matt, did you have something uh, extra to go with before we uh, wrap this up? Just very quickly, if you guys do, you, are you guys growler guys? Do you use growlers? Uh, no, I, I really don't. Like, I just I just tend to. Um, avoid them as a, as a matter of course. Um, I, I mean, there'd be circumstances, it'd be a rare day that I would actually, and I'd have to be at the brewery and watch them pour, fill it in front of me. If it's already sitting in a fridge, I just don't want to know about it. Absolutely. Oh, no, I'm with you. And, you know, like I used uh, some Green Beacon uh, Saison for an event last week that was only available on tap. I really wanted to use the beer, so I shot down to the brewery, got some uh, growlers, Took them to the event, used them, um, and it worked, you know, perfectly. But then there was a half bottle left over that I uh, went to try the next day, and you know it was flat and flabby and tepid. And I thought, you know, there's any brewer that's uh, using these, um, you know, really risks giving a bad experience. But the, the only reason I ask is that um, I sent a review unit uh, of Growler Works, which is a UKEG. So we've seen them before. We've reviewed them on Brews News. Um, a little bit underwhelmingly, you know, the, the, the vacuum-sealed metal growlers that have the gas fitting in to pressurise them. I, I think our former producer, Lockie McIntosh, described the uh, juice not worth the squeeze um, with them. And uh, But, the, yeah, no, these growler works, it turned up yesterday. I had a quick crack with it, and it's a very stylish vessel, and uh, just uh, I, I probably need to have a bit more of a play with it. But, no, I was just wondering what you guys uh, thought about those sorts of, you know, we're seeing a million gadgets and gimmicks coming out to service the craft beer industry. And uh, is it something that has any interest to you guys? I've noticed uh, last time I was out at uh, Stomping Ground that the guys have got uh, riggers, yep. which is the New Zealand, you know, so like a, a PET uh, bottle. 
they seem to be fairly fairly popular. Um, they're also about to um, commission a, a canning line, so I'd, I think that's probably would, would overtake that. I, I, certainly, if I was at a at a brew pub or something like that, and I said that beer is just sensational. Well, mate, you know, look, we can uh, we can um, pour you a growler, or there's a growler in the fridge, or we can uh, give you a couple of riggers. I'd, I'd I'd probably go with the with the rigger. I think with the the PET. Um, but then again, I'd also say, well, if you've got them in cans, just then I'll just buy a case. Because for me, I think that draft, the draft experience is is about drinking in the in the venue, and it's about that sense of community, and it's about you know, as Henry Lawson described, you know, eyes meeting over the top of a couple of foaming pints and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but I think once you get home, it, it, unless you've got a, a draft system. Um, I think it kind of loses something in the translation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, to, to me, these things come down. Like, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautifully engineered. It's got a little pressure dial on. You can control the amount of pressure that um, is holding the beard. You know, it, 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 it's elegant in so many ways. But again, I just don't know what purpose it fills for, for that reason, Prof. Yeah. Is it similar, Matt, to the, I'm going to say, iKegger? iKeg? Very similar, like, much more... Well, was that the one um, that Lockie looked into? Yeah. Th- th- this one just seems a little bit better engineered and that it's all one piece. Um, there's a bit of an ecosystem around it. They, you know, they sell all the bits and pieces. Um, so it's a little bit schmicker, like it's almost iKegger 2.0. Um, but again, it's just w- when I used to fish, um, do, do a lot more fishing, you know, I had a tackle box filled with shit that looked fantastic. And then I just found that I'd use a sinker <laughs> and a hook and, you know, line... Um, and that was about it. So you know yeah. what? Let's just keep this simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and I think that's how I am with my beer drinking. That said, you know, Christmas coming up, I'm sure that they're going to move a lot of them. And there are a whole lot of people who like the idea, who get a good feeling from being able to pull out a a, a draft beer at a picnic and have people ooh and ah about it. And you know, and, and that's a legitimate part of the, uh, the, yeah. the the beer drinking experience. Mate, speaking of eyes meeting over a frosty glass, um, last week we talked about, you know, we floated the idea as a very, very last minute thing about maybe getting together in Sydney. Well, we were going to get together in Sydney and see if anyone was interested vaguely in uh, joining us. And uh, it, it sounds like there might be a little bit of interest. Um, had uh, Joe Horvath suggest the Collaroy Beach Club. It was part of Sydney Beer Week. Do you know Collaroy Beach Club, James? Yep, I know the place, yep. You, you know the place? So, yeah, uh, Joseph Horvath uh, suggested that um, as, as a potential... Venue, so I, I don't know the venue. I was just going to say I'd have to renew my passport. <laughs> it's on, on the other side of the harbour, so oh, okay. uh, we Sydney people are famous for not travelling to the northern beaches. But look, it, it's meant <laughs> to be a great place with a great beer list, so I've got to get there one of these days. Well, the, the other email that we got was from uh, Paul Daly, who's a National Craft Beer Ambassador, and like you, James, a certified Cicerone. And uh, apparently the Malt Shovel Brewery uh, in Camperdown has just had a bit of a renovation and uh, that's been offered up to us as well. So it's a little bit more central. So I might even reach out to Paul you know, and uh, see whether we can make that happen. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, that sounds sensational. No, 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 I like the idea. So our listeners, yeah. Very generous uh, of them. It is very Thank generous. Very much, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see whether we can make that happen. So listeners, uh, yeah, if you're interested in coming along, uh, let us know and uh, we will go ahead and... Uh, We'll make something work and uh, yeah, look forward to catching up with our uh, Sydney uh, listeners and uh, hopefully uh, yeah. maybe take this on the road next year and uh, have a couple of uh, reach-out sessions and uh, drink sessions with a couple of uh, other states. That's it. And hopefully now for, uh, for those listeners who have stuck with us uh, to the 40-minute uh, mark, the, um, the opening music of uh, Have a Drink on Me by ACDC will make a little bit more sense now. I thought a uh, good opportunity to, to plug that uh, we'd love to get together with all of our loyal listeners and, and have a beer 
IRL, as the cool kids say, but also uh, by way of um, of uh, paying a little bit of tribute to uh, Malcolm Young, who left us uh, this week. And it, uh, boys, I'm going to throw this to you because I was thinking this as I was going for a bit of a walk this morning and I've, I've been doing a, a bit of writing, um, coincidentally, about beer and about ACDC. Um because I'm thinking very much an underrated uh, guitarist. He's sort of, you know, he's just kind of in the background. But if uh, if you, you listen to Angus Young, he actually credits Malcolm as being a, a far technically better um, guitarist in ter- and in terms of the what he brought to the, the distinctive kind of sound uh, of, of ACDC. So it occurred to me, if Malcolm Young was a beer, what would he be? So I want you guys, and perhaps our listeners could uh, could send one in, and uh, we might see if we can maybe even organise a bit of a prize for the person who comes up with the uh, the, the the most related beer, the best best related beer to uh, Malcolm Young as a guitarist. Didn't ACDC have their own beer not so long back? Yeah, and red wine. <laughs> yeah, they've had, but, that, but that was just you know giving their name to a yep. to a beer. Okay, find it at an, find yeah. it at an Audi store near you. I think it's still available. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I thought you know it would have been a perfect opportunity to, to come out with a whole series. You could have sort of like a you know halfway to hell or um, I don't know something like that. You know, no, no maybe that one just tickled me. Yeah. Anyway, look. Uh, so we've done our. Thank you very much for cards and letters. Um, which was uh, people suggesting places for us to go and drink while we're in Sydney in a month's time. Um, James, thanks very much for joining us today, mate. We're going to let you go because um, you've got something to do. No worries. Good to chat, guys. No worries, mate. And uh, Matt, thanks very much. I'll, um, let's stick around, Matt. And uh, this week in Beer and Conversation, you and I are going to be having a chat with another Matt, Matt Jankowskis from uh, Brouhaha. Up on Milani, yeah, where I visited recently. So, uh, yeah, Prof, uh, let, let's do that. Done. So uh, thanks very much, listeners, and we'll catch you all next week and uh, pop over now to Beer as a Conversation. And we're out.